Attention students, the Jabroni University Network is now in session. Please make your way to class. And on that note, we cue the music. Biff, 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 all right. Welcome back to Biff Radio. I'm your host, Ben, a.k.a. Biff, coming to you live from the Center Club Recording Studio and Gaming Hub, a.k.a. The Attic. And that was Colorful by The Verve Pipe, because we have a very, very awesome interview today. I am super excited. I'm very proud of this interview, very grateful for this interview, and we will get to that in a moment. And if you're, this is your first time listening to the program, uh, thank you. Thank you for, for coming on. Hopefully you stay. Uh, if you want to come, you know, come back continuously, that'd be great. If you want to go back, I recommend listening to episode 100, where I interviewed Stephen Page. Uh, I have a lot of great interviews with artists. I have a deep dive into the Bare Ladies. Uh, every month I put out a kind of a recap of that month, uh, the music with Mr. Andy from the draft pod on this network and we'll get to that in a moment uh so hopefully if this is your first time listening to biff radio welcome you are welcomed you are loved uh if this is the only time you listen to biff radio i, I wish you'd stay but i understand thank you for your time hopefully uh, by the end of the episode you'll want to uh, subscribe and you'll want to uh, listen to more that would be fantastic and uh if you do you can go to jabroniu.com that's jabroni, J-A-B-R-O-N-I-U.com. And you can find out more about this podcast. You can find out about our flag show, The Draft Pod. You can find out about Why Do We Ever Meet, and great podcast with the Allen family, uh, Ceramic Cat, which if you've ever wondered what pure insanity sounds like, that's the podcast for you in the best way possible. There's Flow and Tell. Uh, there is New Jabroni Pro Wrestling, if you are a pro wrestling fan. And maybe if you're not, give it a shot. Uh, and it, it's just a great website. It's a great bunch of people, um, people I love very dearly. If you want to find out more about the, this podcast, you can also go to a social media. I'm at Biff Radio on Twitter, Biff Radio 1 on Instagram, Biff underscore radio on TikTok. And if you want to find out about, more about myself, Ben, a.k.a. Biff, you can go to Center Club. That's S-E-N-T-E-R, Center Club on TikTok, and uh, you can find my shenanigans there. Um, just for the, the, I guess, the people that have been here before, uh, and maybe you fall for the new people, I took a couple weeks off. My mental health was not in a great place. And I'm not going to say that it's all the way better now. Um, this interview definitely helped, and all the kind words that everyone had sent out to me and uh, I just want to say that if you are going through mental health issues, please reach out. Reach out to someone. Reach out and just talk. You don't even have to talk about 
the issues you're going through, just talk. And there's always help. Uh, all my all the socials, there'll be links to get help. Uh, NAMI.org, great organization, which I utilize myself. So this episode, very proud of this, very excited. Uh, Brian Vander Ark, lead singer of the Verve Pipe, also a fantastic solo career on his own. Very excited, very grateful. I said it in the interview, and I'll say it again. Want to give a very big thank you to Brian. Very big thank, uh, thank you to his manager for uh, getting this to happen, letting this happen, um, and thank you for you for listening. So enjoy the you know the interview. I'm done rambling. Um, you're here for the interview with Brian. It's a great interview because he's a great guy, and uh, hopefully you come back. And uh, I love you all very much, even if you're brand new here. And uh, enjoy the interview, and we'll see you next week. All right, here's my interview with Brian Vander. All right, and welcome back to Biff Radio. So I have a very special guest today, someone who I've grown up uh, really loving their music. Uh, as a lot of you know, I grew up in Michigan, and uh, this gentleman is from Michigan, from the Holland area. Uh, their band had the quintessential hit of the 90s, uh, a song that like when I, when I told people who I was interviewing this week, I got a lot of, really? That's awesome. That's amazing. But also, as my wife refers to, TikTok sensation. He oh, is the nice. lead she also, um, big fan of you, both musically and also um, thinks you've aged like a very fine wine. So just so you know, my wife, big fan. Uh, Thank her for me. Lead singer of the Verve Pipe, but also, and I, I will talk about this a little bit later, an amazing solo career um, who I've you know, followed the solo career of, and I highly recommend uh, everyone go back. And if you haven't listened to his albums, uh, they're fantastic. I'm welcoming Brian Vanderark. Nice to Hello. see you, sir. Good to see you. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for being on here. So um, the one thing I want to start with, and uh, you have on your TikTok. So one, you've become like, you know, you have become a, a presence on TikTok, which I think is amazing. There is a running joke you have on your TikToks about Rob Thomas. Oh, Rob. I, I so I, and it's one of those things where like, like when I first was able <laughs> to like, you know, secure the, the, uh, the interview, I had to ask, what, what is this, this little mini feud of with Rob Thomas? I'm jealous. That's what it is. It comes down to one thing, me being jealous of the career that, you know, Rob and I came up together. First show we played together was in Hawaii. Um, and, uh, you know, he was, you know, they had a song, I think 3 a.m. had just come out and, um, or don't, uh, I want to push you around or one of those, mm -hmm. uh, whatever, one of those songs. I, th I think it was, I want to push you around. And, um, and we hung out a little bit. We got to know each other a little bit. And then um, they, we had him jump up on stage with us before, you know, to play Lucy in the Sky. That's on my TikTok too. But really, you know, we were friendly over the years, over all the years. But, uh, you know, he's had much more success than I've had, and I'm just jealous. That's all it is. <laughs> he doesn't even, I mean, he, you know, I haven't talked to him in years. I did, I did reach out to him, and I just said, hey, I got this thing going on TikTok. It's kind of funny, you know. It's like, and I compared it to, I don't know if you know Seinfeld at all, but mm -hmm. you remember how uh, George Costanza used to make references to uh, Ted Danson all the time, you know. I think Ted oh, yeah. Danson would have a plane that, you know, is this a Ted Danson private jet, you know, that kind of thing. And I explained to Rob that that's, that's kind of what I'm doing. It's a self-deprecation move, but it is funny. And in fact, I'm going to put one up later today and I'll give you a spoiler. 
uh, I'm doing, I do private shows on occasion. And I'm doing this private show in New York and this guy, and this is for real, this guy wrote my manager and said, hey, uh, I know he plays some 90s covers. Could he play Rob Thomas slash Matchbox 20? It's my wife's favorite. And my, and my manager wrote me and said, what's this about? I said, oh, he's making a joke because a TikTok guy. And turns out he wasn't joking. <laughs> and, uh, and I had to write him and go, look, man, I kind of got this thing going on, you know, it's kind of a feud and everything. And uh, and he was he's a good sport about it. Um, so, you know, whether I do it or not, it's still up in the air. If I do it, I'm sure I'll post on TikTok and make fun of it or something, or maybe I'll get the lyrics intentionally wrong or something. Yeah. That's fantastic. I just, the lyrics that I would want to write. Yeah. Which is totally fair. I, I just, I love the, 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 uh, the TikTok of you unloading laundry and it's just like, yeah. I, I bet Rob Thomas is doing whole laundry. Fucking Rob yeah. Thomas. And it's like, that's awesome. I just love this. You know. Getting my uh, personal uh, hygienist, my dental hygienist in on it, and I'll have one with my um, chiropractor there. They people love to get involved in it. So uh, I'll do that as well. That's all coming up. But it's an ongoing feud. Uh, that's, you know, really in my head. Well, I mean, I, like, obviously, like, in the perfect world, like, you know, maybe down the line, we get Rob Thomas involved. I think that would be like, the, the, you know, yeah. the season well, finale. Of, of right. Another. Rob would have to get on TikTok, which I don't think he would now. I think I've ruined TikTok for oh, no. for Rob Thomas because if he got on it, because fucking, you know, slash, hashtag fucking Rob Thomas has, you know, people are people have T-shirts made now. That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. Which, you know, listen, if someone were to do that to me and fuck the bird pipe or whatever, I, I would love it. I just think it's the funniest thing. And I would wear a, a hashtag fuck the bird pipe proudly. Okay. Well, <laughs> listeners, um, I have some, some listeners and some friends that are graphic designers, you know, go to town. There you go. Come on. Uh, so you know, the Pixies did a great thing. Death to the Pixies. I have that t-shirt, you know, they, they, they do that kind of thing. And even Elvis's manager did had the L I hate Elvis fan club, you know, it's, Brilliant marketing move, of course. Oh yeah, yeah. Colonel Tom was Colonel ahead Tom. of his time in many, many ways. Yeah. So, like, with TikTok, like, I guess when I saw you pop up on TikTok, and I saw that you, know, it was just such a like a random thing. I was just throwing TikTok, like, wait a minute, I know that voice. I'm pretty sure yeah. that is Brian Vanderer. So, I guess, like, what was the like inspiration to get on TikTok, and like, what what has been kind of your perception of it, and you know, the evolution of you being on the platform. I love the platform. I was turned on to it by my daughter who was 12. Um, she was 11 at the time. She, you know, and then I heard all this stuff about TikTok anyway, but then I saw she was on it and I always check out to see what kind of social media she's doing. So I like to keep up on my kids and that kind of thing. And um, so she has an artsy creative account. I thought, well, that's kind of cool. It's an outlet for her to get creative and make little films and that kind of thing, which I love. And I thought, well, if she's doing that. Why can't I do it? I should have fun with it too. And I went and I saw a bunch of bands that were on TikTok, and they were all doing the same thing. You know, they play a little bit, they as much as they can, they try to promote a show, which makes sense. But for me, is why not make it another creative outlet and do something specific? to that. So for instance, I'll go to a random town who had in a bar that has karaoke and I'll karaoke the freshman and not tell people that I'm the lead singer and see what the reaction is. And every time the reaction is nobody recognizes me. 
people get up and leave during it. Uh, it's it's really funny, and you can only see that on my TikTok uh, feed. So look those up too. I think one of them is pinned up there, and I get some bigger celebrities that see it too, and will re retweet it or you know repost it and stuff too. But it's just a fun little thing. Now I've had people ask me to do karaoke. They say, "Come do the karaoke at my place." Yeah, my and and it's like there's there's no point if people know it's me. Why am I going to go karaoke in my own song? I do it for the joke, you know. Yeah, so, oh no, and, and so like, it's, I it, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I've seen that one. Find a ways, it's finding ways to be creative with the medium. Yeah. Know? And I've seen that one and it's really funny. And it's like the reaction of like, Oh, I, I just can't imagine like being there and like, Oh, that voice sounds familiar. I can just imagine someone who like, you know what, dude, you're good. You're not quite Brian Vander are good, right. but you're okay. Yeah, and it's like even better that people <laughs> will complain that I'm trying to sound like the lead singer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That, those kind of comments always crack me off. And, uh, uh, but man, it's all a good fun. I mean, honestly, I think at this point in my life, I've realized that the greatest thing in life for me is making myself laugh. If I can make myself laugh when I'm by myself, if I'm giggling, you know, editing something, then I there's great joy uh, that comes from me. And that's the key to life is being able to laugh at yourself and also being able to make yourself laugh. I know if I make myself laugh that I'm going to make other people laugh. And what's more important? Oh, I totally agree. There are many times when I come up with my little jokes, appear on TikTok or social media, and I'll just be giggling. And my wife was like, well, like, what are you doing? And I'll explain to her and like, she, maybe she will like get a, like, a, oh, that's kind of funny. And sometimes I'll make her laugh. And it's like, you know what? I laughed. And that's all that matters. I, that's I all that matters sometimes, man. So I guess like what was your daughter's reaction once you got you you know kind of blew up on TikTok? What was what was well, that like? She was on um I got her to do one video with me that was a happened to be a trend. I forget what dance it was or something. I did a dance and I got her involved and since then she's she won't have anything to do with my TikTok. <laughs> Cuz that got, you know, over a million views I think and it, it was a lot of fun. Um but uh so she does her own thing and you know my kids are I have, I have the greatest funniest I know every parent says that but my but my kids really are great and funny and and rebellious and you know and I encourage all that uh terrible behavior as long as they don't hurt anyone uh so they're you know she, I don't think she's happy that I'm on TikTok I don't think she even cares anymore is what I'm saying okay so. well I mean that's that's fair but, it's of uh, no consequence to her and what she does. She doesn't tag me in anything. Sometimes she'll film me like on my birthday. She sent me a birthday TikTok that she made that call, called me an old, um, not a crypt keeper, but uh, oxygen thief. That's what it was, you know. <laughs> wow. Yeah. She's wow. 11 years old at the time. She called me happy birthday to my dad, who's a, you know, in his fifties and an oxygen thief or something like that. You know, and it's just like, Oh, love it. Love that is, it. That's, that's, that's wild. That's a uh, harsh. Yeah. That's like, that's a kick of the teeth. Uh, <laughs> so like talking about the verb pie. So obviously I got to see you guys play. I, I grew up in Michigan. I grew up in the Mount Pleasant area in between Mount Pleasant and big rapids. And okay. I remember my, my sister got really big into you guys and she took me along to a show when you guys played in Mount Pleasant in I think 98 or so. Yeah. I, I, I guess, Growing up in Michigan and growing up in the the Michigan music scene, I, I guess like 
what was that like? You, like there were some great bands coming out in, in the '90s alongside you, like um, Domestic Problems, Need Eat Shag. Yeah, um, great bands. You know, I, I went to school in Kalamazoo, and I got to see some of these bands. And I said, "You guys, I guess, like, what was that like?" Because it was a really good scene that people in, in the '90s in the Midwest, you know, knew about. It's just talk about that a little bit. Yeah, well, I mean, we were very fortunate in West Michigan or in Michigan in general. I think outside of the Detroit, the Detroit scene was a whole different thing. We weren't really part of that Detroit um, Detroit scene. We were part of the college circuit. So, and when I say circuit, I don't mean there was an organized circuit. There should have been, but you know, essentially you just said, you know, CMU and uh, Fair State. Uh, there's Michigan State, Michigan State uh, University, there's Mich University of Michigan, there's uh, Eastern Michigan, there's Western Michigan, there's all of these colleges that you do the Michigan hand thing, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, Grand Rapids is here, but you've got college, college, you know, college, 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 you know what I mean, so you just make this circuit, you know, once a week, and we'd play all these colleges, you know, and it didn't necessarily pay the bills because we didn't make a lot of money. We played the, you know, Wednesday, Thursday night, 25 cent draft beer nights, you know, yeah. but that's when everybody goes out, you know, everybody goes out for the free beer. So we gained, we amassed this great following. There were a ton of bands that did what we did. Domestic Problems, great one. Uh, there's a band called Cutting Heads that was great, that we really liked. Rolling Head was another band we really liked. Milk House, another band we really liked. All these bands from Michigan that were just writing their own material and uh were out doing the same circuit we were and we loved it we it was a great scene a pretty supportive scene too yeah i think there's probably a little bit of jealousy when we got signed to rca and but i think that's natural i mean i was jealous of i remember thought industry signed a, a band called thought industry i think they were from kalamazoo they signed a seven album deal with warner brothers or something you know and you're like wow. oh my god what that's insanity you know uh so we were jealous of them, but still you go, well, what, what can we get out of this? You know, we've got the industry now looking at this area, looking at Michigan as a viable source to find bands. And, you know, we got the band Papa Vega signed to RCA Records <clears throat> and they did pretty well. You know, they get some radio play with uh, their song Bombshell. So, um, you know, I, I'm always encouraging bands to support each other. There, there's no point. There's, it's okay to have a little jealousy because it's just going to make you a little better. Um, but there's no reason to not, you know, to not work with other bands and put shows together and choose a band that you want to tour with, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah. Out of the bands from the other bands from West Michigan, I guess, what, what was a band that you think maybe could have really become something that just didn't quite make that, didn't quite get that, that opportunity? I mean, I mean, Papa Vegas is a good example of a band that I thought was really going to blow up. You know, they had their song Bombshell. I think it got in the top 20 on the alternative charts. You know, Joe Ferguson is immensely talented, immensely talented. He joined the Verve Pipe for a short while before my brother came back as a bass player. And, uh, and uh, but we do all of our recording at his studio because he's got a great ear and uh, he's very creative and he's a songwriter. So I thought that that band would do it. I think the band that they're probably the band that most deserved it, but I think the best band in Michigan at that time, hands down, nobody wanted to open or nobody wanted to have them open for them. And I think that was their problem was a band called Atomic Numbers. <clears throat> they were the best. They were by far 
the most creative, the best players, the best songs, super fun, rowdy. And then, you know, I love that band. And uh, I produced their first album. I might be a little biased, but they, man, that's, that, those songs still hold up. And live were untouchable. You know, I mean, we had them open for us, I think once or twice, uh, but, you know, they didn't play a lot of live, a lot of live gigs for whatever reason it was, um, but they were the best by far. I definitely remember, yeah, I remembered them on some mixtapes <clears throat> of, of things, like, they were great. Um, I'm like, I guess I'm also surprised at like, the domestic problems because I, I really, I think like they would really fit into that, like Hootie and the Blowfish, Dave Matthews yeah, kind of for, space. for sure. Um, for sure. I just spoke with Andy this morning. Oh, um, I, well, I, yeah. I, 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 this morning I, I have a playlist and tw- you know, uh, uh, 24 hours came on and it's like, ah, oh, that's serendipitous. That's, that's, that's yeah. Nice. They were more, they were more like a bare naked ladies thing. Yep. Um, they were kind of, they're kind of a jangly pop band, which is, which is a, you know, a gin blossom sesh type of jangle jangle, you know, thing. And, and I, I always liked that band too. They always had a great following and they, they would bring in people and uh, they had really super loyal fans. Um, and Andy's a very talented songwriter and singer, you know. So again, and West Michigan band. Yeah, and I, I got to see you guys play together in 2014 and that was a really, really fun show. Intersection? Yep. Yeah, I remember that show. I sure. Also, um, it's on YouTube. There are a clips of your, the, um, the band put out a kids album and you guys played uh, for the Kalamazoo Library down in Kalamazoo. Oh, yeah. Um, I remember being at that show. I remember someone yelling out, play freshman. And I remember you very <laughs> clearly saying, this is a kid's show, not the vibe we're going for. Or yeah. something to that effect. Like, not really the, like the energy we want to put out. Like, I, you had just dumped out a bunch of cereal from your guitar for some of my face it's like yeah. not really like, like good song i understand all you guys you know us from that song but like that's not what we're here for guys like, well it never got it never got worse well there were a couple of really bad experiences with the kids show we played austin city limits we played on the kids stage <clears throat> and people saw the verb pipe and they didn't put down that we were playing our kids stuff you know <clears throat> we had a distinctive font for the kids stuff we had you know, when we were on the kids stage, it should say kids stage and the whole thing. And so, you know, seven, 8,000 people show up to our show at two o'clock on a Saturday afternoon at Austin City Limits. And the kids can't even get up to the front. And we had to have, we had to have the announcer come up and say, this is a kid's show. This is not for the grown-ups. They're not gonna play the freshmen. And the whole crowd booed. Oh no. but they spread out and the kids got to come up front and we had a blast. It's like, I, I, listen, listen, I'm not going to play a song about suicide and abortion at a kid's show. <laughs> you know, it's not, that was antithetical to, to what we were trying to do. Our, our kids songs were funny songs about shenanigans, but those aren't the shenanigans you want to talk about. You know, no, not really kids. <clears throat> yeah. It's like, like with that, that kid's album kind of bouncing around, like, I guess, I mean, obviously at that point you were I'm assuming a father and other people were in the bands were parents. Like, I guess what really drove you guys you know, outside of that to really make that album? Cause it's really like a good album. Like I honestly, like unironically listen to that album. I don't have kids myself, but I really enjoy that album. I guess yeah. what was that driving factor to make that specific album? Well, after our album that was released on nine 11, it was called underneath. And that was the album. I think that was going to put a, put us back on the top. It had so many pop, poppy songs on it. It just still my favorite thing I think we've recorded. 
Um, and, you know, it happened to be released around the week of 9-11, the week after, I think. So we couldn't promote it or anything, but the band kind of broke up. We just, I guess we didn't officially break up. We didn't play any shows. The tours were canceled and everything. We were just sitting around for a few years, spinning our wheels, you know, not doing anything and not talking about a new record. And we were approached to write a kid's song for a compilation. And, and uh, we ended up writing four you know, in a competitive way, like somebody would write one and then another person would write one and I'd write one. And, and it was like, well, now we have four songs. You know, we wanted, each one of us wanted our song to be chosen for the compilation, but then we had four songs. We're like, well, why don't we write some more kids songs and make a kid's album? And uh, not to mention whenever I would go to a kid's performance of anything, if I bought one t-shirt for one kid, I'm buying t-shirts for all my kids. So I figured we would, you know, quadruple our sales and the kids stuff, you know, that's uh, for for families that have more than one kid. So we just did that. And it was so much fun and serious XM kids place live picked it up and played the hell out of it. And, uh, and so we made another one. And then and then after that, it was like, we've kind of done that. Um, it got us back into the studio together. We had some laughs. It was fun making music again, which it wasn't fun during uh, the last, the, you know, the frog album and the underneath album. So we were having fun again, and I thought, well, that'll be a good uh, shot in the arm to get us back into the studio as well. And that's exactly what happened. And then after those two kids' records went out, re-released underneath, I'm sorry, Overboard, <clears throat> Overboard in 2014, which was a clear departure. We made that album as dark as possible, themed, dark themed lyrically, mm -hmm. uh, just so we could have a new jumping point um, and uh, a new start off, uh, a fresh start. And uh, and it worked. We put out three albums since then. So and there and there really are like I I will stress this to the day I die. Like I you know, when I spoke to to Stephen Page a couple of weeks ago, it's like you oh, like, nice guy. Like you have like these these massive hits, <clears throat> these hits that like where he talks about like people will yell at him on the street. It's been like I have, yeah, like, great. Thank you. I have other things. Um, yeah. but so it's it's you know you guys have such a, a big catalog and you yourself. So, you know, kind of transition to that, like, I guess like during that time when you guys were a little bit inactive, you put out sing, um, solo albums and like, I really, really enjoy your solo stuff. Um, and I guess I, like for you, <clears throat> like, like what was that like to, okay, you're in a space where the band is not really doing a, a ton at the moment or at, at all. Like, what was that drive? Like, what was that experience like to put out that, that those solo albums and, you know, they had some amazing songs on them, songs that I think uh, should have gotten way more attention because it was really, really good. Well, I think half of that first solo album <clears throat> called Resurrection, I think half of those songs were verb pipe songs written for Underneath. <clears throat> we had so many songs, by the way, Underneath the album, the 9-11 album, we call it, was uh, was produced by Adam Schlesinger, who was in Fountains of Wayne, who unfortunately was a victim of COVID in the first couple of weeks. I think April 1st, 2020, he caught it, or he died on April 1st, April Fool's Day. Uh, so we, we, we were huge Fountains of Wayne fans. We all wanted to impress him with our songs. So I wrote a ton of songs. And about half of those songs that I wrote didn't even make the album. And I said, well, screw it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a solo album. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to make these songs more acoustic sounding. And I did. And I put those on the solo album. So that was a that was kickstarting the solo career. And that album, when it, Resurrection, did really well. I mean, I, you know, I didn't have a record label. I sold, you know, 10,000 on my own. 
And when you don't have a record label taking 90% of the profit, 10,000 albums you sell is $100,000, you know? So I'm making money as a solo artist, enough on the side to help. Uh, and I thought, well, I'll make another one. And then Bill Simsick, of, uh, the producer who produced all of the Eagles records, including Hotel California, or, and produced Bob Seger and The Who, he, he heard Resurrection and loved it and asked, uh, asked if I'd be interested in having him produce. And I was like, oh my God, amazing. So then he produced my next two solo albums. Uh, so, you know, the solo career kind of has, uh, has its place in my life. In fact, I haven't done a solo show in forever and I'm doing one tomorrow, uh, tomorrow night in Petoskey. So <clears throat> it's kind of a fun thing as well. I can play with just an acoustic guitar and then the next week I get to fly with the band of Georgia to play in a rock band. You know what I mean? So it's a nice, it's a nice thing to have a career where you can do different things. Definitely. Are, any, are there any uh, machinations of another solo album at all in the works? Or is oh yeah. Yeah. I've been working with Andy Reed, who was in the Verve Pipe as well for a little while as a bass player. He, uh, he's a terrific producer, Andy Reed recording in Bay City, Michigan. And, um, and I've got some solo songs uh, and I'm geared up to release that next year, I hope. And, and what about the, the Verve Pipe? Are we looking at any time down the road, a new album from you guys? I mean, Threads is still pretty recent for us, especially mm -hmm. during, because of COVID, we had so many gigs canceled that we haven't really been able to get out as much and play those songs. So, and that'll all change this year. I think the next Verve Pipe uh, record will probably be early 2024. Okay, well, that's fair. I feel fair. like that feels right. That yeah. feels right. So I, I guess, you know, kind of going back to, I know you've, you know, in many, I've, doing my research, you know, watching and reading a bunch of uh, interviews, talking about the freshman, and I, you know, I've talked about Nauseam. I guess just when you look back at it now, like now, you know, the freshman to me, like every compilation of 90s music, it's on there. It is something mm -hmm. that, like, again, all of my friends, um, when I talked about this, when, it, you know, I'm, I'm interviewing you, I guess in your mind, what is to you, the legacy of that song, of, of that moment in your life when you guys were like you know, everywhere, absolutely everywhere, you couldn't turn on the radio without hearing your voice. Like, I guess, what is that like looking back at it, you know, almost 30 years on? I mean, I'm proud. I'm proud that that is going to be the legacy. I mean, I feel like uh, I don't feel like I'm speaking out of turn to say that. I feel like now I'm writing for me and I'm writing for the hardcore fans. I don't expect anybody that loved the freshman to um, to have still been around during those lean times. But the majority of uh, the real hardcore fans that love the solo work like yourself <clears throat> like to um, anticipate a new uh, some new music. And I think, but I think that the freshman really kind of does, I think the verb pipe is defined by the freshman and I think it always will be. That was the song that I think I really nailed it with the lyric um, because it wasn't, it wasn't particularly well written. It's a bit poorly written. It's poetic and metaphoric and, and confusing and just enough that people can make it their own uh, interpret interpretation um, is uh, again our interpretation of that song is vast <laughs> from one person to the next and that's that's an advantage that it has because if it just told the story and that was it people go oh that's a nice I like that song or whatever but they wouldn't still talk about it there wouldn't be arguments online about it and people wouldn't listen to it over and over and over and try to get a meaning out of it 
<clears throat> so I accept that that's the legacy and I'm proud of it. I, you know, it's it, it, if the universe is giving songs to people, which I believe it is somehow with your world and everything and how it happens and the universe gave me that song. Thank you, universe. Yeah, yeah. I, I, <laughs> there's definitely like I've, I've watched read things about people, you know, the quote unquote one hit wonders, which I. I don't, I guess, real quick, like, what is your, like, take on that label of one-hit wonder? Do you look at that as a bad thing? Like, do you embrace it? Like, what's your thought on that term? I mean, there's a there's a negative connotation to that. Even when I was a kid, you know, I remember songs that grew up in the 70s. 70s was, was rife with one-hit wonders. Mm -hmm. I mean, really, you know, and you kind of go, oh, yeah, but what are they doing now? And what are they doing now? But that, that was the kid in me talking, <clears throat> you know. There's, I think there's more value in the world because a song like, you know, let's say Seasons in the Sun, you know, in the 70s, which was a very important song to me. I think Terry Jacks wrote that, you know, or I'm going to name a bunch of 70s songs that nobody, you know, there's songs like Shannon by Michael Gross that about his dog or whatever, you know, and these were songs that were number one hits, gold records. And, you know, you say, yeah, he never did anything and never followed up again. He probably didn't have it. He probably works a day job now. Um, but the fact is, is that the song has a place in my heart and in my mind uh, for nostalgic reasons. And I think that there's more value in that than there is in the value of dismissing the writer. Agreed. You know what I mean? And that's that's how I feel about it. And I don't believe that that's just an acceptance of who I am now, if I could never write a song that was of equal value, not on a commercial level, but equally as good as the freshman, then I probably would be working a day job. But I have, I know I have better songs. Um, and I know, uh, I know I'm a much better writer than I was. I wrote that song in like 1990. It was seven years it took for that song to be a hit. That was one of the first songs I ever wrote, you know. And I know my writing's better. It's just not as popular. So well, I mean, but songs like Colorful from the Rockstar song. Yeah, Colorful is a better song. Yeah, it's, I mean, I it's a great song. Like, there are songs even on, yeah. like, on the album. Like, I think Villain. Yeah. Like, I think that, is, like, there Villain are songs too. on that album that, like. Better song. Yeah, but I mean, but it's, to me, like. And Photograph's I, a better song. I talked to Steven about this and other, like, to me, like. I so basically it's my favorite band, and I always had to defend people or defend them against like the one hit wonder thing. It's like, have you listened to anything else? Like, I get it. Like that song was omnipresent. Yeah. Yeah. But if you dig deeper, and I do the same thing with the verb pipe. Like, okay, dig deeper. Dig for that album. Yeah. And like, I had to like one of my friends was like when I told him I was interviewing. He's like, I made a playlist of like here's the stuff that's not the freshman. Listen to this. I guarantee you'll like it. And they came back like, oh man, I wish I, I would been listening to this. Like, you know, you get. You're 30 yeah. years late, but here, it's okay. You're here. That's okay. That's, you're here. That's all we care about. So I just. Well, people that consider it to be just, you know, the one hit wonder, the, they consider it to be the only song that the band ever released are people that, that uh, you know, that listen to pop music, listen to pop radio, yeah. uh, you know, and, and I have no interest in pop radio. I, I mean, guys like guys like me and I think other musicians and I mean real musicians, songwriters who write their own stuff and don't write for anybody else and guys like you and guys like my solo work fans, these are people that, you know, take advice, uh, take tips from friends who they respect of what to listen to and not don't listen to what is spoon fed through, you know, the playlist that plays 
the same, even satellite radio is guilty of playing the same songs over and over and over. Even on the, even on like the Pearl Jam album, if I, or a, a, a radio station, if I hear what Dead Ledbetter one more time or whatever, what if, it's just like, why do they have to play that song every day? You yeah. know, it's oh, like no. there are so many songs. Springsteen, same thing. I hear the same song. It's like, stop playing Thunder Road. It's great. There's, it's arguably one of the greatest songs ever, but go into the catalog. There's so many great songs on the album born to run you know there's so many other great songs in that yep. but people just don't have the time or don't want to take the time and and um i usually call that music you know it's if there's some things that you know the pop music now that i i say it's music for people who hate music i mean it's just like they just have it on in the background it's like i don't want that well and you're and i agree that like i think that bands like yourself and other bands that i really enjoy are album bands like that like yeah like it's great to yeah. have like a, a single that goes big but also i love inviting entire albums and trying to figure out what the headspace sure. of the artist and the artists and where they were at that time of, of and I think that your albums, both with the Verve Pipe and your solo albums, are great albums. The albums that, you know, I dedicate some time to listen to the entire thing because there's always through lines. So I just want to say thank you for, for giving us not only one really great song, but like many, many great songs and just a huge catalog of music. And I always, I look forward to, hopefully, you know, if you want to, I live in Cleveland now, hopefully sometimes you guys can come down to Cleveland because um, great music scene here. Um, but also I wouldn't mind you know, trying to <clears throat> migrate back up to, uh, I don't think club soda is still there, any, there anymore in Kalamazoo, but, um, just no, you know, seeing no. you guys, but, uh, um, so please like right now, like please plug like, all of your socials and everything. And, you know, let's try to get as many people, if they're not for some reason following you, following you. Yeah. If you go to the most fun I'm having right now is TikTok. So if you go to the verve pipe, TikTok. That's a, that's a lot of fun. My Instagram, Brian Vanderark, uh, is a lot of fun too. A lot of the stuff that's on TikTok ends up on the uh, Instagram. Um, and uh, also Twitter is Brian Vanderark uh, one, the number one. Theverkpipe.com and brianvanderark.com are updated quite frequently and on Facebook as well. So we're pretty active with our fans, social media. We do, you don't have to pay to come to a meet and greet with us. We do meet and greets, I think after every show. Uh, we also take song requests if you give it to us a week in advance, you know, so we can relearn some of the old songs. So we're a very fan friendly band and I'm proud of that. So get involved in our social media. You won't regret it. Well, and I think that you being on this podcast is, is testament to that. I, you know, I try to shoot my shot with, with, with artists that I really enjoy. And I was very grateful that you're on the show. I want to say thank you to you and to your manager for, for you know, making this work. And uh, I hopefully we'll see you very soon. And Brian, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks, Ben. Appreciate you, man. All right, everyone. Well, I will see everyone next week. Have a great week. And uh, we'll, we'll be going off with some Serial because it's my favorite song from the, 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 uh, the, the children's album. Here is Serial by The Verve Pipe. I love my cereal.